The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Lady Love. Lady Love. So I heard the most like insane fucking story today. <laughs> what? So I had this like hippie friend at work. He's super awesome. His name's Jesse. And he comes up to me and he's like, so I went to go to like a hike at Letchworth yesterday and me and my girlfriend and my friend, we like see this giant tree like two miles out in Geneseo. And I was like, oh, okay." He's like, so we stopped to go look at it and we decided to hug this tree. And I'm like, "Okay, I guess if like you want to hug trees, that's cool. And (laughs) he's like, it was this beautiful tree. And then all of a sudden, my girlfriend says, "Uh, I think something bad happened here apparently it's a torture tree the fuck does that mean a torture tree so this fucking gigantic tree that like literally my friend's a grown-ass man and he said that like there was four of them hugging this tree and they couldn't even touch each other like that's how big this fucking tree is and it was uh back when like george washington was in charge of everything Mm -hmm. he had put in an order for like a genocide against native Americans that were on this land so that they could like take the land. And these native Americans weren't having that shit. And they murdered the fuck out of like some of the people trying to like kill them. And they took their intestines and wrapped it around this fucking tree. And they like literally hung them up and tortured them on this tree. Why was he hugging? Why, Why was he compelled to hug this tree? I don't know. I was like, apparently this tree needs a fucking hug because it's scarred from having like human intestine <laughs> wrapped around it a couple times. That's so gross. Lulu, isn't that gross? <laughs> Lulu's like, I don't know what you bitches are talking about, but I'm going to be in the way. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's kitty alive. <laughs> but so today, I know it's fucking disgusting, right? I was like, uh, and as he's telling me this, because, you know, I have a very vivid imagination. I'm like picturing basically like sausage links all the way around yeah. this tree. <laughs> and, oh, bloody. Yeah, bloody and disgusting. I think maybe the tree was like sad and it was like, oh, hug me. And then they did. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> so today's like a special episode, Lady Love. Yay. So we have a guest, a nurse friend guest. Yay. Nurse friend guest, meet nurse friend. <laughs> it was very nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you as well. <laughs> so I'm Courtney. I'm Kat. And I'm Joe. I'm the nurse friend guest. <laughs> <laughs> and this is? And this is Wine, Wicked, Crime, Cat Mom, Still trying to work on this syncing up thing now that we're not recording in person anymore because it is definitely not the tits. Oh, that was decent. It's awful. <laughs> so, what also makes today an interesting story is that it's going to be a two-potter. Yeah. But it's going to be like a two-potter about two different things related to the same thing. So it's, it's a thematic two-parter. Oh, I dig it. Well, 
You're not going to for long because the theme is eating people. <laughs> oh, no. You know how much we enjoy cannibalism. We love the last one was eating dicks. Oh, of course. <laughs> but uh, Sophia decided to come back from her long vacation. Ooh. And she will paint you a picture of what we're discussing today. Mm-hmm. Picture it. 1,600 miles off the coast of Good Hope, 1884. It's a gorgeous night on the high seas, the warm ocean air kissing the faces of the risk-taking men in this crew of misfits. The small ship they're sailing, not meant for anything more than leisurely fun, is almost at a resting point. The captain, ready for he and his crew to get a good night's rest, orders them onward. They only have to push on a little farther. When all of a sudden... A wave, like something out of Poseidon's mythology, strikes the vessel, taking down its load-bearing wall. The young cabin boy sent below deck for tea hears sounds like God's wrath has been unleashed and runs back upstairs to see what's going on. Then all hell broke loose. The captain ordered the men to lower the lifeboat, a tiny little thing, and the four-man crew barely made it off in time before the ship sank, with only two tins of food. Now, they're stranded in the middle of the ocean on a rowboat with no water, hardly any food, and not one person around who can save them. Dun, dun, dun! Mm. Well, they had more food than they thought they did, but they just had to learn that for themselves, I guess. Uh. This week is going to be a little different, different. So for this episode, we're discussing the oh fuck i lost track where i was so (laughs) this week's going to be a little different and for this episode we're discussing not just the case introduced but another as well possibly a third possibly a third possibly a third set up for a third i don't want to commit to anything yet yeah (laughs) stay tuned and asking what the right decision would really be when put in a situation where one road leads to certain death and the other survival, but at the cost of another's life. Mm. So what we'll start with is the case of Queen versus Dudley and Stevens, actually titled Her Majesty the Queen versus Tom Dudley and Edwin Stevens. This trial took place in 1884 under the rule of Queen Victoria. (laughs) Now, before we get too deep into it, too, I got to point out that there's a third dude. I mean, Dudley and Stevens, Dudley and Stevens were an issue here. Don't get me wrong, but there's a third guy on this boat who is definitely as guilty as they were. I don't know who he knew within the court, if he's like tight with the queen or what his deal is. But there's a third guy and we're going to get we'll get to him in the story. So this time in English history was devoutly Christian and obnoxiously conservative. Dudley, Stevens, and two other men were shipwrecked when sailing on the English yacht Magnonet, I think it is. But you know how well I am at like pronouncing shit. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a 52-foot cruiser built in 1867 with a 19.43 net tonnage, which I'm guessing means that it can carry about 19 tons. It's big, but what I was to understand through the whole thing is it really didn't have much business being out of the open sea. It was more of a yacht. This is like a pleasure craft, I guess. Mm. I mean, it was commissioned by this Australian dude who just needed this one fucking English boat. And he, and he absolutely was completely fine with like a whole crew of dudes risking their life for this just because I need that boat. Which, like, what does a yacht in 1884 look like? You know what I mean? The amenities can't be much. I mean, one way or another, dinner's still salted meat, so like... I mean, how luxurious mm-hmm. is this, really? I know. It's like a, it probably looked like a pirate ship. 
Just like fancy ass pirate ship. Yeah, fancy pirate ship. I wonder if it had like a mermaid on the front or something, like the Vikings did. But it probably did. <laughs> so, like Joe said, this was more of a leisure boat, and it was meant to stay inshore and most definitely was not designed for long voyages. The owner of this yacht, John Henry Want, was an Australian lawyer. All of this tragic shit happened because he wanted it to be sailed from England to Sydney, Australia, which is about 15,000 miles long and would take 32 to 40 days to do today. So back then it was probably like two months. (laughs) Because of the ship's size and incapability to travel such a long distance, it was hard for John to even find a crew that was like stupid enough to take the risk of going on the voyage. But after some searching, he finally found Tom Dudley, who was the captain, Edwin Stevens, Edmund Brooks, and Richard Parker, the cabin boy who was a 17-year-old orphan with little to no experience as a seaman. Oh, shit. We totally forgot to introduce the drinks. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, before it gets cold, I'm just going to try and pop it in the background. Ah, fuck. I mean, before it gets just warm. Hide it in there. <laughs> I know, dicks. See, ill prepared today, lay love. Today is just not working out for my soul. I killed my pleco. It's not. <laughs> no, you killed a pleco. It was an accident. Oh no, <laughs> they're like indestructible. They're made of skeleton, like the oh. entire thing. <laughs> so my little fish tank that I have in the front of the room. I saw the fish. Yeah, so I hadn't seen my Pleco in a couple days, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope he didn't die. Like, oh, what happened? So I took all my ornaments out and everything to, like, clean the tank in case he did die in there, and I'm just not seeing him because I didn't want my other fish to get sick. And um, I didn't realize that he was hiding inside of my Buddha ornament. So then I, like, pick it up to put it back in, and then he falls out. And I was like, fuck! Oh, no. I tried to drop him back in the water, but, like, he was already really dead. Like, it was it was well past the time. Well, it's going to have to be a memorial show today. I know. That's me, Flacco. R.I.P. Baby Flacco. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But what are you doing in today, lady love? So I went to uh, Target because... I love Target. And I started, I'm trying to explore different Targets in the area. So this one had some champagne. (laughs) Originally, I was going to do some pina coladas because I've been really wanting some pina coladas. And I found coconut cream or whatever the fuck it was there. But then I was like, fuck that noise. That's a lot of work to make a pina colada. So I'll make uh, apple cider mimosas. Oh, that sounds like good. Delicious. Yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. Well, I haven't had a mimosa in so long. Mm. So. Well, I'm responsible for this. What yeah. I hope is good. And it comes to me on a recommendation for that matter. But it's Bully Hill and it's a goat white wine. I don't think it's actually made from goat, but I also don't make wine. So I'm not really sure you know, what all goes into the process. I guess if we find like a horn or something in the bottom, we'll know. All right, so you're, you're a sweet wine kind of gal. And I like my wine drier than British humor. So I found something right in between, like right smack in the middle. Oh, that's perfect then. Hoping this sure. will land us somewhere good. Says Goat White, New York State. Ooh. <laughs> Goat Oof. White, New York State white wine with enticing flavors of apple and pear. Goat White has a fruity nose, crisp flavor, and a soft, balanced finish. This is sensational, unique, and easy drinking. Enjoy with grilled seafood, poultry dishes, or salads. Ooh. Okay. 
Oh. Enjoy it with human flesh. So I, I hope that pairs yeah. with yeah. Enjoy it with human flesh. That sounds good. I'm always like a piece of shit, and I generally buy wines that are like twist offs because I'm too lazy to like take. Oh, it. I fucked up the whole system. No, it's totally fine. Oh, okay. I was worried I was gonna like break it. I always end up like breaking the cork inside of it or something. What's Jack and Sally wine glasses? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I got them from Walgreens because they're amazing around Halloween and Christmas time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Damn, that's a solid glass for a Walgreens. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Shout out Walgreens, bringing the whole show together. I know. Sponsorship deal out of this. <laughs> We've been trying. We're not that great at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not 100% sure this is like their target demographic for Walgreens shoppers. I know. <laughs> you want to talk about That's people true. like raping and murdering people? Sure. Well, cheers. Tink, tink. Tink, tink. Oh, that's really good. That doesn't taste like goat at all, man. Not even no, not, not even a little goat. That's pretty damn good, yeah. That is. It's definitely like a salad in the middle. Like mm. dry enough that it's there. Like I, I'm gonna feel a little bit thirsty if I don't take another sip soon, but but it's good. It's palatable. Yeah, it is. It's very good. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay, so now that we like or I fucked up the whole order of everything. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Do I not get a review on Target's finest? Oh yeah, how's your mimosa late love? It's not bad. I got the spumante. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. And I got some apple cider that's limited edition. So I just wish I would have gotten caramel for the top. Oh, that'd be nice. Been... With like right. brown sugar. Exactly. Yeah. So on May 19th, 1884, the yacht set sail for Sydney, Australia from Southampton, England. When the yacht was about 1,600 miles northwest of the coast of Good Hope, on July 5th, 1884, a gale, which is a strong wind, was carrying the sailboat. The weather seemed pretty normal on this day and nothing was feeling off with the boat. And because everything was going so swimmingly, Dudley ordered the crew to, quote, heave to, a.k.a. stop the fucking boat so everyone could just mm-hmm. like get some sleep. But when the crew slowed down the yacht, Richard Parker, the cabin boy, which is also the boat bitch, was sent below deck for tea. And right when this happened, a wave slammed into the yacht and washed away the lee bulwark or the load bearing wall on the ship. Real quick, mm. real quick, real quick. Shit starts going down. And this dude's first thought is T. I'm not going over to that. That is the most English <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Of my life. Uh, first priority T. Listen, bitch, before we abandon the ship, I need some tea. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So. As soon as Tom Dudley saw this, he knew that the ship was done for. So he ordered for the lifeboat to be lowered. Well, not only was the lifeboat small at only 13 feet long, but it was also very worn, not built very well. And it was only constructed of quarter inch thick boards. Now, I know you're not that heavy. No, it's not. A quarter inch lady love is literally like that big. Mm. I might be giving it a little more like that's not big at all. And it was like a little flimsy, like, you know what you think of in a cartoon when like Bugs Bunny rows away on like a boat after making something explode. It's literally Mm -hmm. like that, except it had holes in it, too. This is like punch your feet (laughs) through the bottom of the boat and just Flintstones your ass, just paddle. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what this is. 
So they had no other options, though. So the crew obeyed the orders and climbed into the little baby death raft. Like they probably would have been better on like a door. <laughs> like Jack at the end of Titanic. The Mignone sank within five minutes of being hit, and Tom Dudley and the crew managed to grab a few navigational instruments along with two tins of turnips, but they forgot the most important thing, which was water. Oh. And obviously, you cannot drink seawater. So Tom managed to improvise a sea anchor to keep the lifeboat headed into the waves and stay stable, which was good. But not long after this wind, their luck ran out. As if their situation wasn't terrible enough, on the first night, the crew had to fight off a shark with their oars in this little tiny piece of shit boat. Like, everything you watch on Shark Week, they say, sharks don't care about you. It's okay. You're more likely to get hurt in your car than you are to get attacked by a shark one day in the water, these dudes. (laughs) And like, they're in a boat. It's not even like they were like floating at the top of the water and they got attacked. Like, they're in a boat and they're still getting attacked by a shark. What's that? Like the way I'm picturing it is like in Jaws when like the sharks coming at them and they're trying to just like beat them off with these like piece of shit oars. I'm not sure you're beating off the sharks the way to get rid of it, but I'm just, I'm just throwing it out. Well, it's not like they had their handy dandy can of shark repellent. Like bear spray? Do they have shark spray? Yeah. They did in <laughs> Batman, like the original Batman. It's got to be true then. That's yeah, it makes sense yeah. to me. But so, they fight off the shark though. They got rid of the shark. Yeah, they managed to fight off the shark. And they were around 700 miles from the nearest land, St. Helena or Tristan de Cunha. Okay. So (laughs) they were shit out of luck on anyone happening upon them. And depending where you look for this information, there's a couple different things. Some sources say that the men were only able to make the turnips last them two days. And then others say that Tom Dudley kept the first tin of turnips until July 7th, when its five pieces were shared among the men to last two days. Then on or around July 9th, Edmund Brooks spotted a turtle that Edwin Stevens captured. The turtle is said to have allowed the men each to have about three pounds of meat plus the bones, which along with the second tin of turnips lasted until July 15th or 17th. But either way, they've been in the water for like a while. Mm. That. They've been in the sun, too. I mean, you're that is the middle mm-hmm. of the ocean. There's absolutely no shade. They're baking out there. Yeah, that's oh. true. That's that a long ass true. time to be floating in that boat. Yeah. So this is like, what, day 10 at this point of them being stranded in the middle of the ocean? Yeah, and, and you're fried, too. I mean, I had a sunburn after four hours out in the sun on a boat. These dudes have been out there for 10 days. Yeah. They're, I mean, this is misery. That's true. And they're British as fuck. So, you know, they're white as shit. (laughs) They're probably all dry and crispy. Their lips are all chapped. Yeah. And their wigs have shriveled up. (laughs) And they have to stink. Like, there's no way they don't stink. So 
They were, however, unable to drink the turtle's blood because it became contaminated with seawater. Well, I mean, this has to be the worst situation ever to be surrounded by water and not be able to drink any of it. They love. Do you know what happens to people when they drink seawater? I would imagine maybe they get dysentery, but I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, It causes a whole fluid volume overload, all that salt in your system. uh, That's not good. Do you imagine dying like that in the middle of the ocean? Oh, it's quick. Yeah, it it would not take long either. It'd be a miserable way to go out. Well, the crew tried to catch rainwater in their hats, but they were pretty unsuccessful at it. And by July 13th, with no other viable source of liquid, they began to drink their own urine. It's like Bear Grylls intended. And the only thing I can do is to drink my own pee. And this is something I've never done before. And I'm expecting it to be pretty horrible. But I need to keep those fluids going in. Like Bear Grylls. I I wouldn't. I I could never do that. I would never cross that line. You say that, Lane Love, until you're stuck in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) I don't know how that can be less salty than seawater, frankly. I mean, it just sounds... That can't be a far cry. Especially because, like, they were dehydrated as shit. So, you know, their pee, like, smelled like asparagus. Mm. It's probably all dark and salty. Ew. I just... That's disgusting. (laughs) Does anyone know what pee tastes like? I wonder if we'll get Not personally. (laughs) I wonder if we'll get, like, an email. Well, you know how some people... You can, like, Google (laughs) anything. Let's see what what pee tastes like. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> oh god it tastes like it smells it's one of those exact things where it's just oh, you got to taste it like half with your nose Ew, probably oh that's actually on one of google's like most asked questions thing of course it is <laughs> okay what does pee taste like yeah so urine is astringent sweet white and sharp what does that even Ew. mean that was more descriptive terms than i just gave for the wine wheel <laughs> i know <laughs> this, this white is very astringent know. Oh my God, ew. So it says the last is known today as the urine of diabetes mellitus. What? Wait a minute. Hold on. You're a nurse, aren't you? That's what I heard, right? You know how they used to test for sugar. Yeah. You taste the pee and if the pee is sweet, it's called polydipsia, I think. Yeah. It says um, Thomas Willis noted the same relationship in 1674, reporting that diabetic piss tastes wonderfully sweet as if it were imbued with honey or sugar. Ooh, that's so mm-hmm. gross. But now these dudes are dehydrated and they're malnourished. So that's like the opposite of sweet. So that wasn't even good pee they were drinking. Yeah, that was And this like, dude knows good pee. I know. <laughs> this, this dude has tasted all the pee and it's delicious, apparently. Connoisseur. That's really gross. So around July 20th, a desperate Richard Parker became sick from drinking seawater. Edwin Stevens also became ill, most likely from the same cause. Which I feel like I get it. You're thirsty, but like ocean water is salty as fuck. It's not even like it would kind of quench your thirst. Like it would literally be like drinking soy sauce. Yeah. That know. is all dude, just suffering on suffering. These dudes out there. There's no good answers. I mean, I don't know. I guess I've never been in that situation, so I can't be like, oh, I'd not ever do that. But I guess if you're like starving and sunburned and crispy and got attacked by a shark you might drink your own pee uh-huh. so around this time the whole crew discussed the possibility of cannibalizing one of them in order to save the rest of the men according to tom dudley's testimony the crew decided to draw straws it said lots but i'm gonna guessing draw straws is like the same situation 
to choose who would be the one to die in order to keep the others alive. I got to call bullshit. <laughs> These three grown ass men out on their boat looking at this one 17 year old cowboy. Hey guys, let's, uh, let's draw straws. We'll see who we're going to, you know, who we have to do in here. Really? All three of them. They didn't already know how this is going to work out. Honestly, I feel like they should have went for the plumper one. <gasps> More food. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Like, how are you going to go for the skinny little 17 year old kid? I mean, I guess like the young ones are more tender or whatever, but like. But the big dude's going to have like a better striation to the meat. It's going to have a better fat content. You know, it's going to taste better. Exactly. It'll be nice. It's like comparing a veal to, I don't know, like a filet mignon or something. No contest. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Yeah. You, you go, well, and you got to get the big guy, though. That's. Can, I guess that's true. Can you take him down? That's the question. I mean, it's not like they're that energetic right now. I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard. Uh, they're at a disadvantage right now. <laughs> I know. Like, they're all just, like, really not great. So we're drawing straws. Yeah. I would hate for it to come to the end and you decide like that. I mean. Drawing straws. Like, what? I guess it's, like, the fairest way is to draw straws unless it was, like. Oh. Really? I mean, what else are you going to do? Pick a number between one and ten? Rock, paper, scissors, Bill, a hell of a lot of tension. Maybe it'd right. be a sweet way to go out. I'd be really bad, though, if I like rock, paper, scissors and I die because I fucking chose rock instead of paper or something. Uh, see, I'd be more mad if I died on paper. That just seems like a flimsy way to go out. <laughs> terrible pun, I'm sorry. So they started to discuss who was going to be the main course in the menu on July 16th or 17th. And by the 21st, the discussion had turned into a very emotional argument with no actual conclusion. Mm. 17-year-old Richard Parker had possibly gone into a coma around the 23rd or 24th of July. Or Damn. He, yeah. But I mean, at this point, that's like a little under 20 days without any food or water or anything. And you're only actually supposed to live, what, three days without water and five days without food or something? How long do you live without pee? We'll Google that one later. <laughs> so he was either in a coma or he was just so weak from starvation and dehydration that he was just literally unable to move or communicate. Wow. Different sources say different things, but Tom Dudley kept pressing the subject of one man dying to save the others with the crew. Pitching the idea of drawing straws again as the best way to choose who gets turned into dinner. But Edmund Brooks claims that he wasn't ever really even trying to entertain the idea of murdering someone for their own survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he did. Here's where it starts because Dudley and Stevens know Brooks. Here's where Brooks starts with his shit. I said it right to begin with. He's already trying to weasel his way out of this. Yeah. Maybe he's the smart one. I don't know. I mean, he's definitely the smart one in the situation of like not getting in trouble for it. I mean, if, if, I guess if you're if you got to get out of it, then we'll start getting out of it immediately. Yeah, exactly. So Tom, on the other hand, basically had a PowerPoint presentation on why this is the best mm-hmm. option. He even pointed out that both he and Edwin Stevens had families to take care of back home, while poor little Richie, who is probably comatose, was only an orphan with no ties to anyone. And like, who'd miss him, right? Damn. Not even because he's clearly dying. Like, oh, well, she's the orphan boy. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is like, this is old English society. They didn't give a shit about those orphan boys. I know. He was like, sorry, Oliver, it's time to go. <laughs> like, you sweep that one last chimney. Then it's dinner time and your dinner. So the other men still weren't gung-ho about going all Hannibal Lecter on poor Richie. So they all decided that they'd just sleep on it one more night. 
And this last argument was more or less between Tom and Edwin, because Brooke says that he was excluded from this whole conversation because of his stern no on the murder part. Well, they asked him to step out of the room. Yeah, please. I wasn't a part of this conversation. I need you to go in the other room right now. Where? Badass, dude. Edwin Steven says he wasn't fully on board with the plan yet. And the next day on July 25th, they still saw no signs of being rescued and were stranded 700 miles away from any other people. So Tom and Edwin made their final decision. They both signaled to one another that Richie Parker should be the one to go since he was going to die first anyway. They concluded that killing him before his natural death would make his blood safer for drinking. I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's going to coagulate, right? Yeah, I guess. And I, but you can still eat it, I guess, I think. I Yeah. But, like, realistically, if he just, like, died. Then just. He, yeah. Just, yeah, just dive in. I mean, it's he's dead. He's dying one way or another. Yeah. But, like, they just, like, murdered him instead of, like, letting him die. Oh, they kill him. Well, they ended up stabbing him in the jugular vein with a pen knife. I thought this was about keeping the blood safe. Wait a minute now, see? Yeah. Blood safe my ass right in the jugular. Well, what if they, like, stabbed him and then they had, like, their hats underneath <laughs> the hole? Like, you know, like... To catch it. Yeah, they probably, like... It probably acted like um one of those little... Drain like, them out. Yeah, like you know, the, the corks they put into trees to, like, drain the maple? Like, they tapped him? That's yeah. Sad. They yeah. tapped him like a freaking maple. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's what I, that's how I'm picturing it. I mean, they probably held him up and slapped the bag at this point. I know. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. <laughs> so Edmund Brooks never wanted any part of the murder, supposedly stating that he had not been involved in the earlier discussion. And he told the court that because he had no idea what they were planning, he didn't signal whether he agreed or disagreed with this action. Tom Dudley, on the other hand, said Edmund Brooks had agreed to go ahead with the plan. To make sure he did it right, Tom said a prayer over Richie before stabbing him in the jugular vein with his pet knife. <laughs> now it's cool. I know. God, please forgive me. I'm about to eat this. <laughs> Killing him quickly, I guess. How fast do you die when you get stabbed in the jugular? Not fast enough for me to call it quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it like a solid minute or two to bleed out? Yeah, you're bleeding out. Yeah. Quicker than starving, I guess, but. Well, I mean, he was already basically there. He was out. Yeah. He, I mean, by all accounts, he drank seawater. He was done. He was completely out of it. That kid had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I guess. Oh, poor Richie. I know. So Edwin was standing by during this act, prepared to hold down Richard's legs if he struggled at all. Like, come on, bro. He's a little 17 year old kid. And I'm just picturing yeah. him standing there, like ready to jump on him. <laughs> So the three men ate Parker's body like it was a porterhouse steak. Tom Dudley and Mr. Quote, I don't want nothing to do with it. Edmund Brooks ate most of him. Oh, Dude, I'm telling you. Yeah. But Edwin Stevens had very little. So the Richie buffet was open, but only those two really ate. I mean, he got his, the dude survived and he got his fill. Yeah, he got his fill, mm-hmm. but like they ate more of them, which you ate them raw, right? Yeah, yeah, they had to. I hear we're lousy with parasites. Like, I wouldn't. I don't want to eat a dude in general. If I'm being honest, but like uncooked, I guess it did something because they survived for a couple more days. A long ass time. Yeah. So of course, after murdering a kid, the crew finally managed to catch some rainwater to wash down all that meat from the Richie buffet. And Tom Dudley is quoted as saying, 
I can assure you I shall never forget the sight of my two unfortunate companions over that ghastly meal. We all was like mad wolves who should get the most. And for men, fathers of children, to commit such a deed, we could not have our right reason. Well, five days after the murder, on July 29th, 1884, the three men were rescued by a German bark ship on its way to Hamburg, Germany, named Montezuma. The crew brought the three surviving men to Falmouth, Cornwell, on September 6th, 1884. So that's solid, though. They lasted like almost a month in the middle of the ocean. And I don't see them getting through that last stretch without eating him. I mean, that's like another five days on top of that. Yeah, no, they definitely would have all died. And then again, it did rain, yeah. which is just agonizing. Like, how much blood do you drink? And then it finally rains. You're like, really? I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess at least I could kind of have a shower. Clean up before Ew. you get off there. Wouldn't yeah. want to look indecent. I know. I got to clean off all the blood. So once they got to Falmouth, the men went to the customs house which is an office at the port or frontier where customs duties are collected. And Tom and Edwin gave statements which are required under the Merchant Shipping Acts in the event of a shipwreck. The men snitched on themselves telling the whole truth, like immediately. I'm sorry. I can only picture the quartermaster like, all right, what kind of cargo are you bringing in? We ate him. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> we ate him. All right, all right, more on that, and then we'll get back to the cargo. What the? F- Not even missing a beat. I'm sorry. Continue. I, I'm surprised they like said it all right away. Like, I don't think I would immediately be like, "Hey, so I ate my friend." Had they not had this discussion, or at least don't open on it, right? Like, yeah. Oh my god. Well, Tom and Edwin thought that they would have been protected by the customs of the sea, which is quote the practice of cannibalism among shipwrecked survivors by the drawing of lots to see who is to be killed and eaten so that the others might survive. Well, Tom and the gang were giving their statements. Falmouth Harbor Police Sergeant James Laverty overheard what they were saying. He asked Tom how he'd killed Richie and asked if he could take the murder weapon, promising to give it back later. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like that should have been a sign right there. Like, oh, they're asking for the knife. And, and really, just this is like the oldest example I can think of of just don't talk to the police. Just don't mm-hmm. do it when they show up. Just shut up. Yeah, exactly. So him giving it back was obviously a lie. And so is their custom of the sea. Because once their statements were sent to the Board of Trade and the Registrar General of Shipping in London, the men, instead of going home to their families, were detained. And the sergeant obtained warrants later from the mayor, Henry Lidicote for their arrest for murder on the high seas. All three men were held at the police station until their appearance before the magistrate on September 8th, which all of this sounds like super fancy. Mm -hmm. Like for us, we just have to like go to jail and then go see a judge. Like an 1800s law and order episode. I know (laughs) it's like super, super dramatic. All three men were held at the police station until their appearance before the magistrate on September 8th. Tom wasn't worried. He was convinced that all the charges would be dropped given the circumstances. And Orphan Richie's own brother shook their hands, understanding the unfortunate situation because he too was a seaman. And this kind of made people like be on their side a little bit about this whole thing. Cause like this was big news at the time when all of this was happening. So like 
everybody in England because it's not like they had anything fucking else to do. And I mean, what are they going to do? Watch some TikToks. So they were like all into the news. And Tom was very wrong. The courts intended to take these bitches to trial, mainly to set a standard that dire situations aren't an excuse to commit murder. So during the process of putting the trial together, the men were let out on bail and the prosecution decided to offer Edmund Brooks immunity in exchange for his testimony against Tom and Edwin. And he agreed, which you would think after like being in a boat with these people for 10 days or almost a month and eating someone together, you'd be a little more bonded. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Homies for life, something like that. And I think at least get a tattoo or something. Damn. I know. Like, remember to play. <laughs> come on, yeah. a handshake or something. <laughs> but this dude was like, nah, you got it. I can testify. It's fine. So the trial began in Exeter on November 3rd, 1884, before Judge John Walter Huddleston. Tom and Edwin pled not guilty. And this was no easy trial. It was dragged out for over a month, going through a jury, judge, and then a panel of judges. They don't have due process in this time. Like, this shit literally goes on forever. The prosecution outlining the legal arguments and dismissing their defense of necessity and insanity said that clearly the situation was not insanity because Tom Dudley prayed over Richard's body, meaning that he was aware that he was doing something wrong. And again, they had... They admitted to all this immediately, right when they got there. Which you know, I joke about. I guess it's a cool thing to do. At least they were straightforward. The guys like, hey, this is exactly what went down. This is how we did it. But it, it surprised me that that's what ultimately bit them in the ass on that one. Is like, hey, dude, you knew it was wrong. You're already apologizing for it. Maybe they should have prayed to like Allah instead. There's mm-hmm. got to be one that's cool with eating people. I think, I think the Shiva might have been down with that. I can see that, or maybe like. Native American culture, a Norse god, or something. Some there was a oh, god that yeah, was down with people a for Norse sure. God yeah. for sure would be down for it. Have you ever seen like the um that terrible thing that they do with like the eagle thing where they like break all your ribs? Oh um oh my god, um, the sky burial? Right? No, 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 no. Definitely put you out to eat by the the vultures. Yeah, like Vikings, they do this thing. Where basically they're killing you, but you can't make any sounds while you're doing this. Because if you do, like if you cry out while they're torturing you to death, uh, you won't get into Valhalla. And they basically like cut your back open and break all your ribs and then like put them out so that it literally looks like it's you're in the shape of a bird. Was this a punishment? Yeah. Hey! Oh, (laughs) What's the name of that Viking thing where they like murder you and break your ribs and you look like a bird? I can't hear you. Come closer. What? <laughs> I guarantee you he's probably like in the basement right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's called a blood a eagle. A blood eagle. Okay. <laughs> oh, you came super close. Fun fact. <laughs> So the lead prosecutor, Charles QC, did not hide the horrific conditions on the boat and actually suggested an ultimate appeal of royal clemency, saying that the, they should be convicted, but they should be given like mercy, basically. Let the queen kind of talk it down like, hey, we we get it, you know? Yeah, like it is murder, but, you know, in, given it the It was an orphan, you know, it was a peasant, so it's not like people murder you. Know? <laughs> oh, Yeah people murder <laughs> it's just orphan murder they didn't care for the orphans that's you know poor little annie would have been eaten alive 
Ah, the poor thing. I don't think they have gingers. No? I don't make the rules. I don't know. I bet you the no soul thing makes them less tasty. Maybe that's cool from a guy perspective, though. Actually, maybe that, like, nullifies that. Anywho. <laughs> so, after all of the trials and retrials, the courts eventually came to a conclusion. And on December 9th, 1884, reciting this super long-winded statement, which I put the statement all down, and it is super, super long. This is the judge's speech. To preserve one's life is generally speaking a duty, but it may be the plainest and the highest duty to sacrifice it. War is full of instances in which it is a man's duty not to live but to die. The duty in case of shipwreck of a captain to his crew, of the crew to the passengers, of soldiers to women and children. As in the noble case of the Birkenhead, these duties impose on men the moral necessities not of the preservation but of the sacrifice of their lives for others from which in no country least of all it is to be hoped in england well men ever shrink as indeed they have not shrunk i don't even understand what they're saying i i like that and really i defend the guys I, i'm truthfully on the side of dudley and stevens fuck brooks he's an asshole he got out of it but i'm on their side but that's a pretty solid argument he's saying you know Sometimes the right thing to do is to die. And then you're out there and you have a duty to this kid to do. Well, I guess he died anyway. So maybe I'm torn on the issue, but I thought he made a compelling argument there. Yeah, I guess it would be a very easy and cheap display of commonplace learning to quote from Greek and Latin authors from Horace, from Juvenal, from Cicero, from Euripides passage after passage in which the duty of dying for others has been laid down in glowing and emphatic languages as resulting from the principles of heathen ethics. Were they smokers back in this day? Because this is like. <sighs> it's a lot. That's a winded speech. It is. And I still got like a whole paragraph. It is enough in a Christian country to remind ourselves of the great example, Jesus Christ, whom we profess to follow. It must not be supposed that in refusing to admit temptation to be an excuse for crime, it is forgotten how terrible the temptation was. So we're going to not talk about the Eucharist. We're not the body of Christ. Nothing. That's we're going to cite him. We're not going to talk about literally eating the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that doesn't really make sense. Contradict themselves a little bit. I'm sorry. Continue. Especially because you know blood of Christ and body of Christ. The whole thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. And like Christianity is based off a lot of pagan rituals, wow. so I'm sure I can see them like eating some shit, like eating some people. Well, this is this is England Christians. This is different. Yeah, you know, the King James version. Okay. So how awful the suffering, how hard in such trials to keep the judgment straight and the conduct pure. We are often compelled to set up standards we could not reach ourselves and lay down rules which we could not ourselves satisfy. But a man has no right to declare temptation to be an excuse, though he might himself have yielded to it, nor allow compassion for the criminal to change or weaken in any manner the legal definition of the crime. Mic drop. It's good. It is good. It's a good speech. It's a good speech, but like, dude, it, he's basically saying like, if I was in that situation, I'd probably do the same thing. But I'm sorry, you you did it. I, he, he did give them theirs. You know, we're compelled to set standards we ourselves cannot reach. But yeah, you're on it. It's, it's weak. Yeah, it's if like he wasn't on the boat. No, he wasn't on the boat. I'm in the it, same situation. I'm sure he'd have been like, kill him, kill him now. Well, what I want to know is that. 
and it, and it will get to it in the trial too. I mean, it really was a, a cornerstone part of it, but had the kid just died, I think they were good. Or at the very least, had they just shut their damn mouths and just said, yeah, he died, so we ate him. I think they were good. Yeah, I think they definitely would have been fine. And it's not like they could have proved it anyway. And they go into that too. I mean, they, there was really no valid facts to the case apart from their own individual testimonies. So again, they absolutely shot themselves in the foot when they started talking to begin with. That's really all they had to go on. Yeah, but it would have been nice if they had lawyers like of our day because they also did a bunch of shit wrong, like in the trial proceedings and everything. And even in like recording it, the judge like changed some shit afterwards. Yeah. What do we got here? It's see. Well, he described the boat oh, as an English merchant vessel, uh, but then it altered the report state. Yeah. Now, when you think about what he said about duty to one's country as if it would be the duty to their army, you know, your duty to lay down your life for the motherland. I, your father, yeah, it was a queen motherland. I guess that makes sense if they were considering it to be an English merchant vessel, you know, something that would have been protected by the Navy or maybe, I don't know if they considered it part of the Navy. I guess in that case, I can see it like a military duty. You go down with the ship, you got to die, but it wasn't. Yeah. So I wonder how many of these decisions were made based on that fact. It said it was corrected, but you know, at what point was it corrected? Yeah, but it was corrected after the trial was already done. So it doesn't matter anymore. But I guess back in that day, you could do whatever you wanted. It didn't matter. Well, you can give a speech like that, but you can make a fuck up like that and just brush it off. I mean, it seems lazy. I mean, look at our history of like people that we put in power. I was just talking about Grover Cleveland earlier, and that dude was like evil as fuck. He got a high school, didn't he? He did get a high school, <laughs> but he also was like raping people and like molesting young children. Like, I got to read up on Grover Cleveland. I had no idea of any of this. Dude, listen to the episode of Very Presidential on Grover Cleveland, and it like opens your eyes to a whole new world. I was like, this motherfucker got a school and he did what? My only association with Grover is Sesame Street. It's fucking up my whole mental image of this mm-hmm. entire situation. It, it makes it that much worse, really, when I consider that Grover. Oh, but Super evil. And I mean, we uh, just talked about how George Washington ordered a genocide to take some land and then people got tortured on a tree. Don't genocide people. You don't get tortured <laughs> on a tree. I mean. So... Tom Dudley and Edwin Stevens were found guilty of murder and sentenced to the statutory death penalty with a recommendation for mercy. So they got it. You know, there was like, hey, some shit went down out there. We yeah. got to give you the death penalty. But. But maybe the queen will change her mind. Yeah. Because the queen has ultimate rule. So the, quote, royal prerogative of mercy would be decided by Queen Victoria herself with advice from her home secretary, William Harcourt. And on December 12th, 1884, William Harcourt decided to sentence the men to six months in prison. Tom Dudley and Edwin Stevens were given the verdict the next day and were upset at being given such a long sentence. Again, unable Mm -hmm. to just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Really? Six whole months? Dude. Oh, my God, you're not getting killed. Yeah, like you're not being hung in front of everybody. And you still ate somebody. (laughs) Like, dude, who gets out of that? Nobody gets out of that. No, like, realistically, if they let that happen, I feel like it would just turn everybody saying that, like, they killed someone out of necessity. Well, furthermore, hold on really quick. Brooks got out of that, too. I just want to point out again, where the hell did Brooks go through this entire thing? He snuck right out the damn door in the middle of these two dudes talking themselves into a courtroom. Oh, yeah. I get the feeling he was the one who shut the hell up at first when they were questioning him. He's just like, yeah, these guys, you know, you do the talking. It's okay. 
Yeah. And I mean, they couldn't prove it otherwise. And he says that he wasn't part of the plan and he wasn't actually the one that was like part of the murder itself where Tom stabbed him and the other guy was like ready to fucking jump on him. Yeah, if remember, he moved, remember they asked him to stop out of the room for this. We wasn't a part of that discussion. Yeah. This he, dude. <laughs> he went in his little corner in the ocean while everybody Bears else underwater. Yeah. Fucking dude. He probably used the turtle shell <laughs> and like <laughs> he used it as like a mask covered his eyes. So Tom and Edwin, they were given the verdict the next day and were upset. And Tom Dudley never accepted the justice of conviction, quote unquote. And they were all finally released on May 20th, 1885. So they had a rough year. I wonder if they stayed tight. I don't know if I could talk to the dudes again after that. I don't think you do talk to each other after that. Well, they definitely didn't talk to the one because he fucking snitched on them. Dude, yeah. My God. Whoever was the first one who started talking to the poor, that dude. I'm surprised they need him afterward for the sake of doing it. <laughs> I know. They probably should have because then they probably wouldn't have went to jail as long. I still wonder if they tossed him off the boat before they got rescued. The kid, Parker. Oh, they had to have. Nobody's picking up a boat that's got a corpse, a half-eaten corpse of a kid in the middle of it. Yeah. You'd have to get yeah. rid of it. And like, I think realistically, when even when you like hunt animals, in order for the meat to stay good, you have to like immediately like rip the asshole out and like get all everything out from the inside. Exactly. Yeah. So that the uh, waste inside of the body doesn't like infect the rest of the meat and make it not good. So like they had to literally like gut this dude like a deer. I'm amazed that sharks didn't come back into the equation at some point here. Like you're, you're literally chumming the waters at this point. Unless they kept all the blood inside of the boat. Oh, they're trying not to contaminate it. Yeah. It's, I could have put it in the turtle shell actually. Yeah. Nice little dish. <laughs> they had serving utensils for this whole thing. They had their hats to catch all the blood when they tapped him. They tapped. And then they had a Parker platter. Yeah. Well, and a, a nice one at that. I would love to eat off turtle shell. I wonder if you could like soak the meat inside of the seawater and turn it into like beef jerky. Okay. It raises a point I've had a thought I've had through this whole thing. I, I wasn't going to do it on here, but I, they had the salt, right? And they, we're talking about a vessel back in the 1800s. A lot of these dudes carried spices. I mean, they knew their way around spices back then. That was half the trade. That's what half of them made of the Navy back in the 1600s, 1700s. So I have to imagine they had some spices on board. Whether or not they brought them on the boat, I guess, is not important. But had they the spices on board, would it be wrong of them to have at least like dressed it up a bit and enjoyed it? No. When I eat something, you know how much salt I put on it? It's a lot. I, I feel like you have to hate it for it to be even in any way ethically right. If you enjoy it, I think it's all out the window at that point. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I would season it. As I say, like if I had to like, I would just pretend it was like venison or something and then like. Slap a dry rub on it or something. Yeah. A little butter. Oh. And I mean, they had like tools right and it was hot maybe they could like because they say if it's too hot you can like fry an egg on the ground right like maybe they could well they said they brought nav equipment so they had a sextant which i think and they probably had a telescope right so i mean we've all burned it out with a magnifying glass at some point or oh, other. yeah, I mean, they you, probably used they it. cooked teeny little bits mm-hmm. one by one. Oh, you do not look happy about this whole part of the conversation I know. <laughs> Lady loves not very interactive when it comes to cannibalism <laughs> i'm not saying i, I do like- it I like the idea of using the telescope to cook it. <laughs> you got him a guy over the shit. I mean, any port in a storm here at this point. No pun intended. Here's what you got. 
What would you do, Lady Love, if you were in the situation? Could you eat somebody? I wouldn't eat the human. No, 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 no. I'm not. You just died. You just taking on somebody else's ass. Yeah. You did. This is if COVID doesn't get didn't get me. This is it. (laughs) You ever had like a shrivel up? What about like a liver and onion sandwich? You wouldn't eat like some liver or something. I've Mm-mm. never had a liver and onion sandwich. Oh, that's if it is I, not appetizing, not if it does not look appealing, I will not eat it. I mean, I guess I've heard that like human flesh is comparable to pork. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like pork. I don't like that. I don't like that about it all. <laughs> I like pork. Can't it be comparable to something shitty like anything but pork, realistically? I don't know. I wonder if like human bacon would taste like real bacon. If I it, imagine we separate similar to like a cow or a deer would. I mean, there were um, you probably get the same cuts off of us. I know that much. I think it's probably nice bacon too. There was a dude who did that. There, there's a YouTube video on this somewhere. There's a dude who ate people who went and reviewed it afterward. What? It, Ew. What are we discussing right now? Someone okay, really okay. ate. No, no, it was a thing. It's a. It's maybe that'll be in part two. We'll see if I can track down the video. I, I, I. I know a dude. I know a dude who knows a dude. He's positive for this. I know a guy. Mm-hmm. What is this? Faces of Death 3? I've, I I wouldn't be surprised with this, dude. But if we can track it down, we'll see. We'll, we'll do the review. We can do that in addition to the wine review next time. We'll let his, him do his review. <laughs> okay, we'll let him do a, a human jerky review, and then we'll Oof. talk about the wine. Would you do it? Would you be able to eat someone to live? I don't know if I'd be able to live with myself. I, I wouldn't be particularly <laughs> thrilled with the, the concept of doing it but if i knew i had a solid chance of living after i did it i don't think i could eat like a muscle i'd have to eat like a liver or something or like or like a kidney or an organ yeah maybe an organ like if it was an arm or something i just for some reason that to me is grosser and i don't want to be near no skin like i'm like i don't, like, I don't even like what? skin. i love crispy skin i don't think it's going to be crispy dude it's going to be uh, poly and real stretchy. You're gonna have to fight with it a bit. It's not a good consistency at this point. It's not a good texture, even with the the telescope cooker. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm gonna have to patent after this is done. A human beef maker. Oh no! <laughs> Shark Tank it. We can do it. <laughs> Somebody will invest in that. I'm sure they would. There's some fucked up people in this world. Hey, any prospective venture capitalists out there, you need an idea. We got you. <laughs> but is it true that you can go like insane from eating human flesh? I think we carry like prion illnesses and things like that. Maybe I based that on almost nothing, but I feel like I heard that on a documentary once. It's not supposed to be good for you. That's what I was like. I always heard that you go crazy from eating human flesh. But like then again, I was wondering if it was like raw human flesh or cooked human flesh. Like if it matters. I mean, psychologically, if I'm eating a dude that I've just been speaking with for like the past week, I'm not going to be so right mentally. I mean, I'm going at least a little bit crazy through. No, nobody comes out of that with their sanity fully intact. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the meat does it to you, you're going to be batshit. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, unless they like enjoyed it and then they were like, oh, okay, that's not bad. Because they did eat a lot of it. Like they did eat a lot of it. You got to question whether or not it was more than they needed to or just enough to not die. I mean, at that point you're starving. Yeah. You know, when you're real hungry and you finally get to a meal and you just murder the shit. No pun intended. I mean, they probably overate a little bit. Yeah. Or it could be like, you think you're very hungry no, uh, and you start to eat and then you get full. Maybe that's what happened with Stevens or he like 
he got full and he's like, I can't do this anymore. And then the other two were like, well, fuck you then. I'm about to chow down on the rest of this thigh meat. <laughs> my eyes were bigger than my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Do you think they ate his eyes? Yeah. No, you don't. Probably. No, what? Well, I mean, they're they got, squishy. Yeah, they got fluid in them. I mean, that's, that might be a, a nice mm-hmm. drink. I hate this. My God. Oh, but it looks like a booger. Ah, see, this is why I hate this. It does. Okay. Well, Dev told me this story where he had to go to this like seer school when he was in the Marines and uh, he had to like catch his own food and everything for a couple weeks. And the only thing he ended up catching was like this rabbit. And he literally sucked the eyeball out of the rabbit's head. I was super grossed out. But how long was he without food before he did that is my question. I'm guessing long because he said he lost like 20 pounds Mm -hmm. in like a week or something like that. That's what I got to (laughs) do. Just starve yourself. Yeah, put myself out in the wilderness. I mean, but right there, that I mean, that gives me evidence to believe that if you're desperate enough, you'll eat just about anything, eyeballs included. Yeah. I mean, another week on that, if all he found was a dude, an unconscious one at that, I mean, who's to say he wouldn't eat that guy? I guess I would. I guess I'd have to do it. Yeah. If that's it's fight or flight strong, man. I don't want to go out that way. I don't want to die in a boat sunburned out in the middle of water with I mean, a couple of cannibals around me. Might as well be one of them at that point. Can't beat them, join them. Yeah, I get. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if I could personally do it. Just because, not even from, like, the fact of it being a human, but I'm, like, weird with textures. I, yeah. I'm talking a lot of game here, but, like, I have trouble with a badly Mm -hmm. piece of chicken. (laughs) Let alone a raw dude. Yeah, like, that's my thing. Like, even when I eat bacon, I need it to be, like, really crispy. Thank you. I don't trust a floppy bacon person no. at baseline. I don't even want to be around that person. No offense That's if you're a right. floppy bacon person. No, she no. all about the crispy. <laughs> okay, thank no God. floppy bacon burn, over here. No. So, yeah, I, I say Sorry. I would do it. Whether or not I would be able to do it when the time got there, I mean, I'd be plugging my nose. I'd be just as quick as you can, just get it done. Uh, and it amazes me that, like, this is a thing that some people are into eating. There's people who do this for leisure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, people- these cases have existed. One of the cases we did was on Armin Mivist, and he was like this German dude who had this like fascination with like eating people, and like it was like a sexual thing for him. Why it's always a fucking sexual thing? What is? <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, he was kind of abused growing up. Well, very abused growing up. So I guess that like has to do with it. But so was Albert Fish. Didn't make that okay. No, I mean, not saying that any of it okay, but damn. Yeah. Well, what Armin did was he found a guy that wanted to be eaten. Oh, this is that dude. Yeah. Oh, so he literally went on like an online forum, like a fucking Reddit or something. And he found a dude that like wanted to be eaten. And this dude had this like fascination with penile mutilation. Like he wanted someone to eat his dick, literally. Damn. And he wanted to be like awake for this, like alive and awake. And he just wanted to be eaten. So they like met up like on a Tinder date or something. They banged. And then he turned on a camera and they like, he literally tried to cut this dude's dick off with like a steak knife. And then that didn't work. So he got a different knife. It didn't work. What do you mean? It didn't work. It didn't cut all the way through. And so like this dude is literally like dying. Well, at first he tried to bite it off. Because that's what he wanted. He wanted someone to bite his dick off. And he couldn't get that. Yeah, he couldn't do that. So he bit it really hard and that didn't work. And this guy like screamed bloody murder. Then he got a knife. You're kidding me. That didn't work. So then he got a sharper knife. And then he finally managed to cut it. But then he burned it. He didn't eat it? 
He tried to eat it, but it was too tough. He burned it. Good for that he, guy, I guess. I mean, if it was too tough, that's... I mean, I'd be miserable in the situation, but at least you get a little ego boost there at the end. That's nice. Yeah, I guess. But then he, he fed it to the dog. Oh. Yeah, I, was, I felt really bad for the dog. I huh? do. Yeah, the dog. I mean, dog was probably ecstatic. I've seen a dog eat just about <laughs> anything. That's, and that's cooked, too. I mean, it would love it. That's like a treat. Yeah, and it was cooked in like butter and garlic, I think. So he seasoned it. Okay, yeah, so there we go. I'm it. not the first person to think about that. Like, do you season it or not? But he was like into it. Like, ever since he was a little kid, he would like... He would like cut pieces of ham up and like pretend that it was human flesh and like eat it. I'm I'm at a loss. I've never mm-hmm. once had that thought. I mean, I don't know. I feel the cheese stick like it's a banana before. And I thought that was fucking weird. But, <laughs> but that's <laughs> aesthetically <laughs> pleasing, though, like to, to watch a cheese stick get ripped off because it's like so perfect. It's like a. you're right. Thank you. I feel vindicated on that. Yeah, but but no, I never once did have the thought of. Man, I wonder what it's like to eat a dude. Ugh, I guess maybe it's comforting that you don't turn that way, I guess, so to speak. You just sort of start there and get there. Yeah. <laughs> what started it with him, though, was uh, his mom had given him a book of Grimm's fairy tales. And he was like all about Hansel and Gretel. And he would like pretend to be the witch that ate Hansel ever since he was a little kid. So he just always had a fascination with like eating. that kid missed the point right from the beginning on that book. <laughs> yeah, Holy no, he was, crap. He was fucked. But I don't know. In that case, I was kind of like, well, the guy wanted to be eaten and he wanted to eat him. And uh, so I was like an argument of was that guy mentally capable to make that decision you know it's like was he taken advantage of because clearly he was batty i mean if you're like if you wake up and you're like i would like to have my dick eaten today you're not mm-hmm. all there like there there's i don't know if you're competent to make the decision thereof to have the dick eaten at that point oh damn okay well anyways these guys they had to do it so if i had to do it i think i would is the final answer if i absolutely had to but i'd have to know that rescue was on the way so you'd rather like eat them and knowing that you're going to get rescued rather than like wait out the rescue team. If you know, it's coming. I don't want to starve to death. That seems, Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I drink the seawater. What? You seem like you're just no. in a coma. I mean, no, once you it's, eat it's one horrible. person, you're just going to, you're just going to pick off the next person. Oh, to you eat. think you're going to get the, you're going to get the hunger for it. Yeah. That's why you said no, I ate one. I ate one. What's another one until they hopefully find us. What if that did happen? Like someone was shipwrecked and then they like had to eat a person, but then they ended up enjoying it. Like, like they're getting ready. They're getting ready to dump the body overboard. And there's Dolby like, wait, actually, hold on. Can I just, can you just like throw a leg or two in the, like a finger or two in the, in the turtle shell? I'll just hide it. I'll hide it. <laughs> you think they told them on the boat, on the rescue boat? There's no way. The second you open your mouth, say, hey, you know, we, we ate a dude the other day. Right overboard. <laughs> Yeah. Like they're not taking you back into port. No way. I mean, but they said that this was like a custom of the sea thing because apparently people got fucking shipwrecked often. So they probably got on board and they're like, hey, we got to eat our first dude. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I had my dude last month, actually. That's, yeah, that's good. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. No. But so animals in general, like that I've seen and whatever, if one of you dies, they usually eat it. Like fish eat each other when they die. We're not that much less animal, quote unquote, than any of those other animals. I, th- I think like at our base, like at, at, at our very baseline, humans are every bit as savage as those other animals. Like I, I think 
So I, maybe that makes that okay. I don't know. I mean, are, are the other animals right? No, that's just necessity. They do what they have to do. Yeah. They, I mean, I don't think they want or don't want to eat the animal. They just, that's what they have to do. Yeah. Cause when they don't have like, I mean, a hamster will eat its young. Yeah. If they think it's sick. And that's, and that's because, because what if I might die? If I eat this, I'll have a better chance. Better eat it. Yeah. Ugh. And fish will literally eat the babies. Like if you have like a live bearing fish or something and they give birth. Just fresh off the uterus. Just. Yeah. They'll fucking eat them. Oh, oh, poor guys. So that's that. That's weird. That's a step too far. That seems wrong. I don't know. Well, I, I definitely feel for the dudes in this dilemma, though. I would not want to have to be okay. in that situation making that call. No, I'm definitely fine not ever being on a boat. I've never been on one, and I doesn't make me want to go on one, really. See, I boated over the weekend. Didn't even eat a guy. Did not even think about eating a guy. <laughs> not even once. <laughs> I can't say my father-in-law wasn't thinking about taking a bite, but, like, it's, you know... <laughs> The boat doesn't make you inherently want to eat a dude. <laughs> it just makes it more of a possibility at the end of the day. Yeah, but I guess at least we have like better boats or something. More supplies. Yeah, more, more supplies. More supplies. Yeah, like, you know, if you could go back, if you had to do the whole thing again, I imagine they would probably try to grab more than like two tins of turnips or whatever the hell they had on there. Uh-huh. Yeah, they did only have five minutes though. Yeah, that's a good call. Well, I mean, if they weren't down there making fucking tea the entire time, maybe they'd have more time. That's true. Maybe the tea boy should have came up with some supplies. What did we say? The first thought he had. Well, hold on. It's, I know it's looking dire, but let me get a cup of tea. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll be okay. <laughs> Keep calm. Carry on. Do the thing. Like, hold on. Damn. But this is this is big, though. This is not by any means the first time there's been an instance of contingency cannibalism. That that's what it's called. That's you have no other choice. You got to eat a dude. You know, that's like not not the moral issue of eating a guy, but the necessity issue of eating a guy. Um, and that's happened to. The Donner Party being one of the most famous examples. They were the pioneers going, which actually happened before this, which kind of blew my mind. That was, I think, the 1850s when the Donner Party was chowing on each other. And this was in the 1880s. Um, and then a newer case of that, there was a plane that went down up the Andes Mountains with a, I want to say soccer, not soccer, rugby, with a rugby team. And all I think it was in like 2007, I want to say. Oh, and what? Those dudes had to eat each other. Oh. So it's, you know, it's, it's a thing that happens. And in both those cases, it was like totally different outcomes too. You know, these guys were convicted. So, you know, at the time it was felt to be wrong, even though they were given a reduced sentence, you know, they didn't kill them. Um, but the Donner party, there was no law applicable at that point. They just, there was no decision to be made. That was the old, old West of the U S. Oh, wow. Continental law didn't yet apply. And then the modern day example, the guys on the plane, if I remember right, they basically, they went out, they built a monument to them. I mean, they were like, they were well-received in the media. It was terrible, but it was like, Hey, you know, you did what you had to do we've reacted to this thing differently depending on what point of history you're in. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable. Situation's understandable. Everybody wants to not die. So, yeah. We're more empathetic for that. I think than maybe they used to be. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Oh, so what's the next case that we'll be discussing? Well, like I mentioned, the Donner party is one of the more interesting ones to me because I think it's well known. I think everybody has some idea about what went down with the Donner party. I didn't realize this was a months long affair. I mean, they were stuck up on those mountains for a long time and there were different communities of people within there and different people in the community reacted to the eating differently. So I just found it interesting exploring how do different types of people, the men, the women, the children, what other ideas do they have about it when it gets right down to it and you have no choice but to eat a guy. Oh, wow. Okay. So well, I've actually never heard of this at okay. all. 
So I have zero idea on what this is about. So in in essence, it's you know the old pie. Imagine what was the what was the video game, the computer game, the Oregon Trail. You're on the Oregon Trail. Instead of getting dysentery, you get trapped in a blizzard, and um, you run out of pop tarts and you got to eat something. So might as well be Dave. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I guess next week is going to be an interesting. I guess it's going to be interesting. Wait, <laughs> love, are you ready some, for some more cannibalism? You look disgusted. I feel. I, I remember hearing about, about the Donner Party before. I know they were. I know they had to resort to cannibalism because they got caught or they got stuck on a mountain. But I feel like you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to survive, you're going to eat somebody. And if not, you're probably going to be like me and be like, this is it. Peace Some out. of them didn't. Some of them didn't. Some of them, and you made it pretty long, too. It wasn't good. You end up right? like 50 pounds, but I mean, you, you can potentially make it. And they had water. I mean, they had snow. Yeah. They had guns. You could go out and hunt. Mm-hmm. Oh, what the oh, fuck? If you had guns and, and shit. And that kind of made me question the whole thing more, too. Because like the certain mm-hmm. point, were, were, were they getting the hunger? Like you said, you know, they, they get the taste for it. Yeah. Or was it more pure? Like, you know what? We did it once. <laughs> like, who could be fucked we'll around? Do it like again. 12 feet of snow on the ground. I'm not hunting a deer. <laughs> Jim's right there. Like, look at him. Dude, he's got a broken leg. Come on. Let's I know. Exactly. Let's make a Jim Hot Pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I guess I feel like if you have the like, capabilities of hunting and all that shit at that point, it's probably just laziness. Like, yeah, I think you're morally obligated. <laughs> if you can hunt, you got to. Like, if the dude's. On the what? What do we? How, what do we say? The name of the boat was the Magnone. The Magnone. If the dudes on the Magnone heard about the the Donner Party, they'd be like, "What? The, you had a rifle? <laughs> what, what do you mean? You could have right. done anything else. Yeah. We're out here drinking pee. You got snow all around you." Well, what I'm wondering is why didn't they try to fish anything? No hooks. I mean, I mean they got a turtle. Yeah, they they could have done something. Because they have like the little net situations to catch fish and shit. Like you don't need. They said they brought limited equipment. I don't know what limited equipment was. I mean, navigation equipment for sure. You know, they had a sextant. They had a, <laughs> a telescope. I'm sure they had their tea kettle, if I'm to understand the English. But if, I don't know if they would have had like a hook or a net or, or a spear. They had a knife. I mean, if they caught a turtle, they could catch something. I think a turtle's lazy. Like a turtle uh, just chills there. All that, but no basic fishing equipment. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I don't Not know. even stuff to MacGyver it. That's what I'm saying. You can't, like, rip a thread out of your pants or something and create some <laughs> kind of something. In fairness, I've tossed a line in the water for over four hours straight without seeing a single fish. So, I mean, maybe they were better off with a turtle and a guy. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if I could feed myself. That's all I could do was fish. Yeah, I'm not really. I wouldn't survive. I tell people all the time, if there was a zombie apocalypse or something, I'm just dead. You may as well kill me now. Yeah, not necessarily if you have a cabin boy. We know we have options now. I know. Yeah, I'd die. I'd probably kill myself. I'd be like, well, I'm over it. Drink it. Drink the water. It should be done. Drink the water. I'm saying in a zombie apocalypse, I'd probably just kill myself. Oh, you got to give it a go. Oh, come on. I am not getting eaten by No, you got to go the drifter route. Like, just wander off and just kind of watch from a distance. Like, all right, we got a society going over here. Those guys don't seem to like them at all. Let's see how this goes down. You know, just take a watcher approach to this whole thing. But I'd have to be able to hide. I'm very loud. Like, <laughs> I'm not good at that. I'm like one of, I just, yeah. You ever seen Mad Max? 
The car is all going through that. Yeah. I, I like to think I'd be the guitar guy. I just got to keep sharpening up the skills Dude, and hang me from talking. the front of a fucking truck and just let me, I'll just rock through the end of the apocalypse. That's I was fine. literally talking so much shit about the guitar guy Fuck and Matt Max the last the time. only one who has it figured out. I'm sure they beat the shit out of him. I, like, I'm sure it's like, it's not a strictly good existence, but I mean, he's having a great time up there. I know. He's the only like, one. It, it was like they wouldn't even move unless he was playing. Yeah. He commands the troops. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's not ridiculous. Oh, how many... You got you had, you had sea shanties on boats. How you made the men work? I'm sure there were hunting songs songs out in like the tribes, the like the <laughs> middle of Africa, the plains. But this dude's acting like it's metalocalypse in the middle of like this insane bumper cars battle, and he's like flying all over the place and still continuing to hit his killer solos. Hey, it kept him alive. <laughs> but still, I'm just saying, like, you don't think he'd be fucking up a little bit? Like, he's literally getting swung all over the place. And it was like he was on like a bungee cord. So he was just like flapping all over. It's a stressful situation. Yeah. I don't think that's my dude. I st- I'm voting for him. That- that's my route. That's how I survived the apocalypse. <laughs> well, I guess we will find out what happens in Donner Party next week. Nothing good. No, nothing good at all. <laughs> Ready to end it, Lady Love? What? Did you say Lady Love? <laughs> I said you're ready to end it. Yeah, the dog looked up, and then I'm like, who's there? Because <laughs> I am home alone, so you know. A little paranoid, Lady Love? Just a little bit. And you know, this dog is dumb as fuck, so there's no safety with her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like I the dog just, the robbers come in and throw her a steak and she's like bye guys yeah, right she's that dumb of a dog exactly exactly <laughs> so now she's like all perked up and I'm like it's not like she's gonna save me what is she perking up for if somebody just broke in they walked in to listen to you go on for an hour about or us go on for an hour about eating people that dude broke in and fucked right off I'm like, like, <laughs> never mind screw that. I'll go to the next house <laughs> yeah thank god because this dog wouldn't do anything for me yeah I'm ready to <laughs> so we'll find out what happens with the Donner party next week I'm excited to hear about it bye peace y'all <laughs> night bye <laughs>